Hi, everybody, and welcome to Conversations That Heal. I'm your host, Susan Jacoby, an international spokesperson shifting the global consciousness for adult survivors of childhood trauma, bringing you topics and guests who will provide you with tips and tools, a fresh direction, and increased confidence. It is my mission to talk about experiences in our childhood that have left us feeling too embarrassed to show or perhaps share our thoughts and feelings, oftentimes believing that there must be something wrong with us. This show can make a real difference in your life by giving you healthy ways to think, feel, and act. Before we start the show, I want to update everybody on the lecture workshop series that is beginning Sunday, March 6th, 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time. If you're in the Seattle, Washington area, you can enjoy the series live. If you're not, I have set up a virtual link which will allow people all over the world to enjoy it. You can visit lectureworkshopseries.com for more information. You can also visit my website, susanjacoby.com. Follow the navigation at the top and it will get you there. On today's show, we're going to be talking about new possibilities that are waiting for us. All we have to do is open our hearts to receive them. Our emotional scars hold us back from allowing us to live how we are intended to live, with abundance, with purpose, with faith, with hope, and joy, to name a few. It is important to remember that the scars of the trauma do not define who we are today. They didn't define us during the traumatic event. They don't define us now. As an adult, I invite you to take a step back and think about where the scars, the pain, the habits, your actions are coming from. Are they coming from a place of a responsible adult that you are? Or are they coming from a place of you as a child who was the dumping grounds for the abuser's insecurities? I am not suggesting in any way any of this is easy. For some of us, it can take years to process. But the freedom of awakening is like a boulder of shame being lifted from our shoulders and heart. Our guest today is Jiwanda Parker. She is here to share her experience and help our listeners take that first step or perhaps strengthen steps that they've already taken. Jiwanda is the founder and CEO of Hope and Healing Corporation, a corporation with many arms serving and reaching the needs of marginalized of the society, locally and abroad, to orphanages in Haiti and Africa. In 2003, she started an organization to help young girls and teens suffering from self-esteem and identity issues. Now, affectionately, it is called G-Girls an acronym used for the different components implemented that foster self-acceptance, self-esteem, mentoring, mothering, and sistering, all female gender in all age brackets. Using her own life as a catalyst for change, Juwanda embodies the message of God's love, healing, transformation, and hope. Having been raised in a foster care system, 
experiencing every form and type of abuse, overcoming stigma of shame, rejection, and unworthiness speaks to the transformation of God's healing power and love. She has written her memoir, It Only Hurts When I Can't Run. Jiwanda has served as a mentor, trainer, life wholeness coach, and spiritual formation guide. Her website is jiwanda.com, which is G-E-W-A-N-D-A dot com. Welcome, Jiwanda. Thank you so much to come to Conversations at Heal. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you today, Susan? Good, thank you. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. I hope that we can get through everything that I I want to ask you. You're, usually I ask my listeners, you know, give us a brief history about how they came into their work, but your bio really sums it up. So instead I want to ask you, and maybe if you remember this, what the turning point was for you when you realized that your past does not define who you are today? Is there a a specific time? Maybe not a specific time, but a combination of different events that happened um, along my journey to where I just had to basically not, not embrace so much of the victimization that I had endured but make a conscious decision to turn over a new leaf. And so it wasn't like a aha moment. It was more so of a evolving into a different type of person with how I saw myself as well as how I approach different situations. I'm glad that you shared it like that. Interestingly enough, I would... I wouldn't say the exact same thing, but I would say very close to what you're saying. You know, there wasn't like this major aha moment, me, and everything changed. And that's important, I think, for people to know what it looks like, how it feels, so that they can get comfortable and that it's not some big, huge, emotional roller coaster. I never found it that way, and it sounds like you didn't either. Would that be fair? That's that's very fair and also very accurate because what I continue to find is that as I go on my journey, there are days and situations and relationships where I have to continuously remember that I'm no longer a victim. And sometimes when you have had situations like I endured, you tend to filter everything through a default system that you have to actually kind of retrain yourself so that you can have healthy relationships, so that you can move beyond the fear or move beyond the rejection or insecurity or, or whatever it is that you are experiencing so that it's in a in a more healthy space opposed to the default of being a victim. So I don't I can't say that it's a one time thing or that you can just identify it as this is the moment because we're we're constantly changing and constantly getting better and constantly trying um, new ways of of dealing with situations. Absolutely. I want to ask you something. I I tend to focus a lot on on our show about on this show about how 
things look and, and feel just so that people get um, comfortable with it. I think that is really important. And, uh, and so consequently, I want to ask you um, how you would describe the difference between the surviving mode, the moving forward mode, and then stepping into self-love. Oh wow, that's a um the the surviving mode is almost like you're drowning. It's like you can never ever come to a place of peace. Uh, for me, that's how it was. It was always something else. Always something else that I had to overcome or it was another fear that I had to face or um I had to show up into my own life as my authentic self and not a projected self or not a hidden person. And so I I was never at peace because I was always trying to just keep my head above the water. And before I began to actually come into the moving forward part, I, I was just encapsulated with a lot of shame. And so the shame aspect held me pretty much like a prisoner so i could i could couldn't be myself and it was only that i began to take little steps literally baby steps baby steps such as looking at someone in their face and holding a conversation to not let my eyes shift or to look down or um to turn away because i had so much shame or i was so insecure so a baby of surviving that was to be able just to have a regular conversation with a person and engage in that conversation without all these um, negative feelings that I had. And then moving forward, it was more so of um, talking to myself, talking it through. I am a person of faith, and so for me, I couldn't just talk it through, I had to have something that was very tangible that um, really just just helped me to move forward. And for me, that was scripture. And so I would use the Bible and particular verses to help me to move forward and to gain some, some space of healing. And so once I conquered one area and I kind of felt like I was okay in that that particular space, then I would try something else and try something else. So it was like continuously just kind of moving forward, baby steps, baby steps. And then the self-love part for me is, again, ever-evolving. Um, I, I would say, just to be very transparent, one that I'm in the midst of right now where I'm having – um, essentially to go back to some of that same um, programming is my appearance. I just had a baby 16 weeks ago, and so my default is to always put myself down and to make myself um, lower than, than than what God says I am or even just in, in general life. And so I am now currently – in the process of having to talk to myself and say, okay, Jawanda, you are not um, so fat and out of shape. You are not ugly. Uh, You know, those things that would just erode at your self-confidence and who you are, 
And I would have to go back to some of those steps with scripture. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God is pleased with me just how I look. And I'll look at myself in the mirror and I'll say, okay, you look good today. It's okay. (laughs) You look good. And so those are the things that I used in um, moving from surviving to moving forward to self-love to even now as new situations happen where I have to speak to myself continuously. And then one other thing I would add is to have um, a good support system of, even if it's just one person, who you can be very transparent and, and open with so that they can give you positive feedback but accurate feedback and not not just a yes person but very accurate feedback in a positive way so that it, it does not do any more damage to you. So I think it's just it is multifaceted that it it just doesn't happen. It's a lifestyle that you have to embrace and continue to walk it out. Thank you for that brilliant answer. I'm curious, the support person that you're talking about, would you who would you say that is? Like a coach, a therapist, um, a, a spouse, a friend. I mean, I know who I would probably say. I would. I would say it was probably a combination of everyone, but you have to, like, mm-hmm. watch. You can't expect your spouse or your friend to um, hold the space that uh, a trained professional can. So I think it's mm-hmm. kind of like a trusting yourself on who you can reach out to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I would say it is a combination of several people that make up the whole. I am a an, an advocate for counseling, therapists, um, even coaching, life coaching, dream coaching, financial coaching. I'm an advocate for those areas because I believe those areas, um, people who serve in in those areas, they are trained and they know what they're looking for to help you to get to the next place. So I, me personally, I am constantly, I remain in counseling. (laughs) I have a standing appointment with my counselor, if not twice a month, once a month for sure. And then um, the support people that you trust and who love you enough to be able to hold you in that sacred space. I would not say you pick someone just because their title makes them close to you, such as a family member or um, a, a long-standing friend, because they may not know you to the degree that they need to be involved in your areas of vulnerability. And so for me, those standing persons that hold me in a sacred space are those that have proven to me just by way of my comfort level and their interactions with me how safe I can be. So I have one good girlfriend, I would say, who would tell me the truth, although she's been in my life um, maybe even not as long as some other people, but she will tell me the truth. 
and she has even proven it through some sacrifices that she made where she 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 tells me okay you're wrong in that area or you're thinking weird this is not this is, i understand your past but you're thinking weird or you are spot on Jawanda this is it and then i have some elderly uh, people who have proven themselves to me over years that I can I can just lay myself bare and say, you know, this is what I'm feeling. I'm scared. I'm nervous. I don't know what's going on with me. And some and I don't even have to talk to them a lot. I could just text and say, hey, I need a phone call. I need five minutes of your time. But because their consistency in our relationship and they have proven over a, a space of time that I can be open with them, and they still love me unconditionally. They don't beat me up about my thinking or how I'm feeling. They just kind of continue to kind of help me through it. Then I share. That's extremely important, especially when you're coming from a background of dysfunction. And I think all of us have dysfunction in some areas. But when you have had the very core of your trust broken, then you cannot just expose your vulnerabilities to everyone because it can sometimes turn around and bite you or do more harm. So it, it's really dependent on the person. And I think, too, there's a there's an inner space within you that will let you know, yes, this is a person that I can really trust, Here I can be vulnerable with. Before I move on, I you gave a lot of wisdom, and and the listeners might have to go do a little rewind here. When you started talking about when you were answering this question about surviving and moving forward, and and then stepping into self love, everything that you said, I obviously I'm not you, so I'm not going to say exactly like you, but I would have said it very similarly to you. What is so important about that is, and I used to be like this for, for years, for for decades, you think that you're unique, you're different, you're, your thought patterns, no one else is going to have something like that. And that's just not true. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all are unique. We all have special gifts to bring. And our feelings and how we experience life are very similar because we are all human beings. I think my counselor is the one that helped me in that area because I would that and that's why I say I'm an advocate for counseling. I really am. I would share um I I have a, a male counselor and a female counselor and I remember sharing with him saying that I'm not normal. I'm not normal. People don't think this way, <laughs> and he kind of laughed at me. He said, Jawanda, the reason why you think you're not normal is because people don't share what you just shared. And so he, he basically said, just trust me on this. I've been doing this for years. What you just outlined is the basis for every person who is struggling with insecurity. What you talk about with your mother is exactly the same feelings that people have of a sense of abandonment. What you are experiencing over here in new crowds is the same tendency and fear 
of rejection that I hear all the time. The thing is, is that you're not having these conversations with the people because everyone is like you. They think that they are abnormal and no one is sharing. No one is talking about it. So you think you're the only one. And I have found that to be true, even in in helping people and coaching people and counseling and, and different things. It's almost as if I it and I know where they're going because I have I've I've been down that road. I know how to communicate what they're feeling because it's so similar. It's almost like facing the same bears, the same demons, so to speak. They just have different faces. It's the same thing. It's just coming up in a different time period or different city. But we're human, and so we still have, we share in those commonalities of the struggles that we we have to overcome. I'm glad that we, we spent a few minutes focusing on this. It's very important to, to look at the fact this isn't like the world according to Juwanda or the world according to Susan. This, these are the universal truths. It's exactly why I created this radio show. So we're all making progress one step at a time. And probably the reason why you wrote your book, I know you have a book out. We'll get to that more detail at the end of the show. Um, the reason I wrote my book, the reason a lot of survivors write their books. But but anyways, I want, mm-hmm. I want to get back to something here. And I want to tell you a little story and to use it as a reflection and then ask you um, how have you noticed that um, your childhood scars how they show up in your life now, how they try to define your life um, as a grown adult. As Mm -hmm. I was preparing for this show, I was very in tune to the important role that compassion plays in this journey of um, the survivor moving forward, self-love, et cetera. And by the way, self-love, I think, is everybody practices it every single day. It's a conscious uh, decision to remind yourself to practice it. As far as like stepping back and like noticing uh, your childhood scars and how they define your your life, only recently did I decide to share a um, a particular story about that. Only recently did I really see the connection with it. While some of my story may sound like, "Whoa, she's like crazy." <laughs> Um, like, like I'm not thinking. Like, it shows you how uh, how you don't think rationally. I'm a normal woman, you know. I, I mean, I'm not living in a mega mansion. I'm not living on the streets, thank God, e- either. But there was a period of time, um, as as recently as maybe even three, four years ago, where I was convinced that. Living on the streets wouldn't be so bad that um, that I could live on the streets. Now, mm-hmm. looking at that now, that's not a rational thought. And, and I can realize now where that mindset came in. And it came in from um, an experience that my nine-year-old self had with being thrown out into the, um, the backyard and the late fall and and using the leaves under all the uh, vegetation to cover me up, you know, to try to 
like make that like a safe little place for me. And mm-hmm. um, and I'm telling you this because I hope people can see the connection here. Realizing that and and making that connection, now I'm able to look at the nine year old and just be so proud and so remarkable at how creative she was to come up with a plan to keep herself warm, a situation that was completely out of control. And as an adult now looking at that, I can also um, bring her self-love just as I would a child telling her I love her. I'm just wondering um, if if you have any, I mean, I'm not asking for um, a long story or example. I'm just wondering if you've noticed something similar on your healing path. Um, it's interesting you said the one about the, the homeless. Well, not homeless, but I'm going to take it there to the homeless, but you've been thrown out on the streets. Um, actually, I do have something extremely similar to that. And it's a it's a twofold answer. Before the Christmas or two Christmases before my mother died, my mother had a, a my biological mother had an issue with drug addiction. Um, the whole Christmas season, I'd come to understand her addiction and and really embraced her as a person and not the whole addiction um, piece of of being angry about it. And she had a lot of pride. Fast forward to the Christmas season, she was living at a shelter until she could get her place where she was She was going to rent a place. And so I told her I was going to come and live in the shelter with her, and we would spend Christmas together in the shelter. And she thought that was a hilarious thing. And I thought, no, I want to experience this. I want to see what it feels like to have to clock in at 4 o'clock um, to surrender all your belongings, you know, the whole thing of the shelter, and to experience life the way she was living at that point. Fast forward to um, the work that I do with homelessness. One of the churches that I pastor, we are in the process of building a homeless, a, a homeless building shelter that will hold 200 seats for women and children, 200 beds. And I keep kicking myself that I did not have that experience so that I could relate to the people once they got here. When I say relate, not relate from a, a standpoint of I understand, but but to really be able to to be to have the empathy that they had to know, I I get that, and why I said at the beginning the twofold piece of it. My childhood, I always wanted mother, 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 mother. I always wanted that mothering, that connection, that holding hands, going to the store. I always wanted that. And so throughout my adulthood, even till today, to having the 16-week-old child that I have, it's in my mind that I still want a mommy. I still want 
to be able to call her and have her communicate with me on how to take care of my own child. But the healing aspect of that is that I'm turning that around and being the mom to my child that I always wanted. And then I am picking up others along the way to mentor them so that I can give to them in a healthy way what I did not get from some mentors who took me under their wing who had not yet gone through as much healing as they needed to to help me to grow up emotionally with that that whole mothering piece. So I hope I answered that in a way without skewing it with the details, but I think the details kind of help you to see that these these childhood situations, they don't leave you. You just have to learn how to live with them and you have to learn how to allow them to represent themselves in a healthy manner and not so much as a negative manner. But the triggers come in everyday life, in everyday life. And no, it doesn't make you crazy. It's just that's 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 your history. That's that's your makeup. That's what you're made of. And so that's how I kind of get through some of those things that happen to me um, on a day-to-day basis that remind me of my childhood. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for that answer. Talking about like the triggers thing, you know, I always say that there are gifts in, in every action that we take in our lives. You could almost make yourself crazy by really looking at every single action in your life, every single action in your day, and find a gift in it. Even the trigger thing, there are gifts in that because when I hear you say that, you know, I'm thinking to myself the gifts would be compassion towards others, uh, compassion towards yourself, giving mm-hmm. yourself another opportunity to learning to love yourself, which is a perfect um, segue into my uh, next question. So I also want to focus on um, our beloved heart. I guess my question is twofold. The first part of that is what has been your experience with opening up your heart? But I'm also wondering how you got through the fears and hesitations in the beginning. I mean, that took me years to allow myself to work through that and then allow myself to open up my heart. What has been your experience with that? That whole heart issue, um, it's a biggie. It's it's a biggie because that's that's basically who you are, and you want someone to take your heart and not break it, but but love you. Um, I would have to to go back to something I said earlier: being in relationships with people who loved me long enough to get past my, I would call it my um, roadblocks or the way that I. I communicated or who I was, basically just kind of testing them to see, do you love me enough to put up with my craziness? <laughs> and I will say the the craziness of it, simply because it, it was so scary. And, and even today, it still is scary to allow people in, to allow people to love you, because you're always wondering, do, are you, are, are you going to leave or... Can you love all of me? Is there a part of me that you're going to get tired of? Um, So all of that is a scary um, place. 
But again, for me, faith had a lot to do with that because I began to see the unconditional love of Christ. And with the unconditional love of Christ, then I did not have to qualify for love. I just had to be. And in being, then if I if I did something wrong, I knew that God did not throw me away like people would or have. If I didn't know, I knew God wasn't looking at me like I was stupid or, you know, not smart. It was it was really cultivating my relationship with Christ so that I could embrace that unconditional love and embracing that unconditional love, then I began to relax. And once I began to relax, then I let other people in, little by little, slowly. And then I had to learn how to love. Quite honestly, I had to learn how to love, and I had to um, be okay with being loved by healthy people. And that that's just a whole nother conversation when you talk about receiving the love. Because, again, once you've had dysfunctionality, then how you handle things is totally different and you end up sometimes sabotaging relationships because you're so unhealthy and people don't understand you. And so they don't put up with that long enough to um, to love you through, through the madness, so to speak. They just um, just walk away. It's a hard one. It really is a hard one. Um, for for people who don't have faith, I would that that's that's my life. But for those that don't, again, there are people who don't want anything from you, and you just have to spend that time and allowing that season so that they can prove in some ways that they love you and that they are okay with you and you are okay just just as you are. And you don't have to qualify. You don't have to qualify. You don't have to perform. You don't have to be perfect. And then just share, you know, allow your heart to be open to those relationships as they present themselves. And I think I think they do. They do come along and present themselves to you. It's interesting to notice that I've been experiencing this uh, the past, couple months and I'm becoming aware of something that is on one hand pretty humorous and on the other hand wow <laughs> and that and that is you know we go we well, I won't say we I'll keep it to me you know I go through life and somebody has done something that hurts me or makes me feel bad or sad or um, derails me or you know wh- whatever you want to use there I always have taken that personally. Like there must be something wrong with me for them to do that to me. Mm -hmm. What's interesting about that is in that whole mindset, I'm not, was not, am not, however you want to present past tense that, um, even aware or allowing the realization that the person who um, has, let's say, done me wrong is going through their own stuff. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. to make that break, 
if it is something that you have done that has um, you have earned that behavior, well, then you need to clean that up because that's being responsible and, um, and to yourself. Forget about being responsible to anyone else. Be responsible to yourself and your own integrity. It's very um, interesting how how it all works and how just opening up and and being aware. This show isn't like a little magic dust that you know your whole life is going to be improved. It's bringing awareness of experiences of um, of the like from from both of our our journeys. Mhm. Absolutely. One mm-hmm. one hard lesson I had to learn by way of losing, actually losing some good relationships and actually running away from some really bad relationships is not taking on projections of, of others and not allowing them to uh, use their unhealthiness to continue to keep me in a in a web because I wanted that relationship. And so I I incorporated in my life boundaries. There's a, a book by Henry Cloud that I would recommend everyone to, especially if you've had any kind of um, relationship issues, is by Henry Cloud. I forget the other person who, who wrote it with him, but it's, it's on boundaries and it tells you how to Set healthy boundaries for yourself around you. And then the other thing that I begin to notice is that um, it's almost like the law of attraction. You begin to attract who you are on the inside to you. And I wanted something different, but I had to realize that perhaps I had to change myself so that I would not be comfortable in the, I can't think of any other word, but drama, in the drama of these unhealthy relationships. So I would, again, visualize who is it that I want to be because this person who I am now in this relationship is not the one that I envision myself being. And so I had to really start looking at that and owning my own stuff. <laughs> and as I owned my own, um, I was able to make a, a conscious decision. This is where I stop and you begin or where I begin and you stop because I can't allow this relationship to keep me in this cycle. It's twofold just being very aware of who I am. And that goes back to a lot of that self that self-work that that you have to do um, so that you're not in a whirlwind with a narcissistic-type person or a victim person or hypochondriac or, you know, a person who's very manipulative or controlling. I mean, it's it's just so many that you could go down the list with, and, and you're thinking it's all me. Sometimes it is you, but more than not. It's it's how you are allowing yourself to be in the relationship so that you can get healthy and get around some good, healthy people. That's a very excellent observation. And and as you were talking, I, I was glad that you brought up the boundary word. I used to be easily thrown towards thinking that I had to share everything that was running through my mind. And 
Um, and even if it was a, an ex- experience of branching out, testing the waters, the bottom line is that we all have the uh, choice to share uh, what we share, what we've learned about ourselves, uh, our likes, our dif- dislikes. You know, it all falls into the category of, of boundaries. And I think it's really important to uh, remember that it allows you to open up your heart a little bit, have that experience of opening up your heart, but also practicing uh, keeping the little mindsets or the whole way you want to live or or feel or have new experiences. And then And then when you get stronger, test the waters a little bit with somebody who – um, has no importance in your life, or maybe it's a short-term importance, you know, like the the checkout girl or the, you know, I don't know, you know, people that you just run into mm-hmm. momentarily. Mm-hmm. So it's all an exploration. Uh, before before we go on, I do want to remind the listeners about the Supreme Love Summit that is going strong. It's not too late to sign up for it and take advantage of the wisdom from its many speakers on the description portion of the show is the link to sign up and i my interview is scheduled for the end of the summit which is i believe mid-march or something Uh, but i just did i wanted to bring that to your awareness as you wanted i wanted to ask you if there were, were three tools that you could share with the listeners to help them embrace the power of who they are today. My whole message really is hope and hope and healing to really focus in first of all on knowing that who you who you were or who you are today if you don't like yourself that you can change and that tomorrow can actually be a better day for you. That would encompass that whole area of hope that you know it's not over as long as you have breath in your body then life can take on a new meaning and things can change for you and then the other thing the other tool that I would encourage everyone is to invest in yourself you have to invest in yourself time whatever that is if that is just solitude if that's prayer that's Bible reading, if it's taking a yoga class, if it's taking a nature walk, if it's um, signing up for counseling, if it's getting a life coach, a dream coach, a a helping coach, whatever it is, a, a life holding strategist, which is what I do, invest in yourself because in order for you to have a different tomorrow, you're going to have to start doing some things differently today. And my third thing that I would say to catapult someone to a a different place or a new you is to expand. Um, And what I mean by that is my husband, he says says this all the time, and I I caught on to it. He says, those that have never been anywhere always think that their mom is the best cook. I caught on to that. I begin to expand um, even more so. I'm like very adventurous, so I would try almost anything. I started paying attention to 
people that I was trying to help or trying to coach them or trying to lead them places that was different, and they would immediately put up a roadblock. Oh, I've never done that before. Oh, that sounds weird. Or, or I can't do that. Or I mean, it was it was always some kind of roadblock where they would not expand beyond what they already knew or they wouldn't try anything different. And once we um, become so inward-centered and myopic in our thinking and we can't expand, then we don't know what, what else is out there. We don't know how to embrace life differently. We think that this is all there is because this is where we stop. We won't expand. And so that is one, even for me, that I have begun to embrace even more, just doing some things differently, um, just to expand myself and to move out of this puzzle-like person of who I am. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't say this. You know, no, expand yourself. Try something different. Go to a different restaurant. Try a new hairstyle. Um, cut your hair differently. Go to a different kind of movie. Read a different book. Find a different um, attraction. Something that will get those creative juices flowing within and, and give you some different experiences because once you see something, different, then you're going to desire it. But if you never expose yourself, then you you think this is all it is. So I would say those would be the, the things right now that I would encourage people to do, definitely. Wow, that was worth the admission of the show. That <laughs> advice was uh, <laughs> brilliant. Thank you for sharing that. And I, um, I, I we don't have a lot of time to explore that, but but everything you said is very doable and perfectly put. I want to give you a moment to talk about your, your free gift. And, again, your, your website is juwanda.com. I'm, I mean, how fortunate are you to have that website? It's like Oprah, you know, Juwanda. <laughs> that's, that's a great domain name. So can you tell us about your free gift? Thank you. Let me pick up on what you said about Oprah. It was so interesting. My personal assistant, uh, we were actually going to change the name of the website, and she said exactly what you said. Um, just be like Oprah, com, and that's kind of funny you said that. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, so the reason why I'm saying that is because going back to what I just answered, you have to look beyond yourself and say, you know, I, there is something more for me. So just by you saying what you said, that could be a vision <laughs> that I could I could put out there to say, you know, I'm going to work hard so that I can expand my life even more and to experience just the freedom of living and enjoying everyday life, just like Oprah, what it seems like she's enjoying. The free gift that I want to give to uh, everyone is it's really a simple, simple tool. Um, it's a healing scripture handbook, and I made mention of that earlier about how I use the Bible scriptures to actually reshape my thinking and to put me in a different space. 
space mentally and emotionally so I could walk it out physically in, in, in my life and my relationships and my finances and my health is using the tools that gave me enough confidence to stand on something that was sure even when I was unsure about myself. And so the Healing Scripture Handbook is one um, that I'm offering as a free gift to anyone who would just sign up, um, go to the website, just fill out the contact form, and just put in the Healing Scripture Handbook, and we'll make sure that you get the book. But it basically has the scriptures in it all on healing, and healing in reference to your mind, because I I think that is just very much um, a a major part of, of, of everything. And then body relationships, um, even finances, just applying the word of God to these situations and standing more so on the principles of God opposed to just hoping, but really having something tangible that you could use as a handbook to say, this, I'm, I'm standing on this today. Every person who will fill out on the um, website will make sure that you get that. Beautiful. I I think I might uh, take you up on that little handbook, like quite the gift. Well, um, we are coming close to the end of the show. Um, I want to remind the listeners that I've taken on a new um, adventure where I'm creating online courses. They seem to be quite the the thing right now. And I have some ideas of what uh, subject matters that I that I want to dive into, but I would welcome any ideas from the listeners. You can email me at susan at conversations at heal dot com to share a topic that you'd want me to focus on. I'm not promising you that I will. Like Joanda said, if you know if you don't expand a little bit and and reach out and take that step, then I'll never know. And someone else who that may help. They'll never know. And, and I promise that I won't bite your head off or, you know, I'll, I'll be gracious about your contribution. So uh, you don't even need to go there with yourself. Uh, you wanted, thank you so much. I really have um, treasured this time together. And I'm very, very grateful that, that we were able to connect and, and have this conversation. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. And I just appreciate you allowing me to be on your show. You're very welcome. Conversations at Heal Radio is on iTunes. You can always leave a comment to support us, and that will also help us to reach more souls that are healing. You're also welcome to follow us on Blog Talk Radio for up-to-date announcements. Remember that you are a lovable and capable human being. Thank you all for listening to Conversations That Heal. Take care of yourselves.